Amen. Amen, church. Amen. Hey, we're starting a new book today. It's one of my favorite books in the Bible. And you say, Pastor John, you say that every time you start a new book, it's your favorite book. But this, this really is. I love the book of James. And the book of James is just, a, a, just chalk-filled with principles for wisdom. And we're going to see that as we go through the book of James. It's been kind of fun. We, I've been doing this Facebook Live thing, uh, on, and we just started Proverbs. So we're kind of doing a double header. We're doing wisdom from the Old Testament Proverbs in Facebook Live. I've been doing that Tuesday through Friday at 4.30 p.m. If you want to tune in, you can just go John Hoppy, uh, one, uh, one, two, three, uh, John Hoppy the third. But we're looking at Proverbs. We're looking at wisdom from the Old Testament at Facebook Live. And then on Sunday mornings, now we're starting this new book, and that's the book of James, which really most scholars believe uh, is like the Proverbs of the New Testament. Because as we go through this book, you're going to see there's principle after principle after principle on how to live in wisdom. We're going to see as we go through this book how to have wisdom. First of all, the very first section we're looking at today is how to have wisdom in trials. And boy, we need that with what we're going through with our country right now. We need wisdom, how to have wisdom in trials. And then we're going to see next week, uh, Pastor Mike's going to be teaching. And he's going to teach us how to have wisdom in our temptations and how to deal with temptations in a wise way. And we're going to look at all kinds of different things of wisdom as we go through this book. We'll look at how to have wisdom with the anger that we face at times, how to have wisdom with our tongue, how to have wisdom when we deal with sin, how to have wisdom in our sickness, how to have wisdom when we pray, how to have wisdom when we interact with other people and interacting with people with wisdom, principle after principle after principle on wisdom. And I don't know about you, but we need wisdom, especially with the times we're in right now. And it's very apropos, I think, that we're looking at wisdom. First thing, for, right off the start in this book, how to have wisdom in trials. Because we're in a trial as a country right now. You know, it's interesting, at the beginning of this week, I was, I think I was telling Heidi that, uh, you know, this whole coronavirus thing, I don't know a single person, I said at the beginning of the week, that uh, is even dealing with coronavirus or even has the virus. And then I get on Facebook midweek this week, and one of my friends from grade school and high school this week died from the coronavirus. I remember going to his house and playing at his house and hanging out with him and going to, going to elementary school, middle school, and high school with him. Gone! 58 years old. And then, then Pastor Steve showed me a picture online, too, of a pastor friend of mine who caught the coronavirus who's right here in Columbia, and he almost died. Too. He had a serious case of coronavirus, too. So this... The trials we're in is real, isn't it? So we're going to learn today how to deal with trials in a uh, wise way, in a wise way. Now, what, is, what are trials? Trials are adversities that are beyond our control, that test our faith. That's what a trial is. Now, next week we'll look at temptation. That's different than trials. Temptation is a solicitation uh, to do evil from the devil himself or from demons. Temptation is something we can control because we could say no to it. Now, trials is different. Trials is something that comes out of nowhere and oftentimes is beyond our control. And again, temptations from the devil. We're going to see next week as we look at temptations. Temptations don't come from God. God can't tempt us to do evil. But sometimes trials do come from God. You know why? Because trials will make us more like Christ. Sometimes we're going to see this morning that trials come to, to test our faith, but also to make us more like Jesus. And so we're going to see this as we go through this, this scripture on James, just the first 12 verses of chapter 1 on how to deal with trials, how to deal with trials with wisdom. So let's jump right in. Uh, chapter 1, verse 1. If you're there, beep your horn. Say amen through your horns. 
James 1.1, here we go. Okay, let's go. James 1.1, it says, James, a bondservant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ to the 12 tribes who are dispersed abroad, greetings. First thing I want you to see, author. The author of this book is James. Now, uh, there's different uh, James within the New Testament. There's James from James and John, the sons of thunder, the sons of Zebedee. And this James was, was an apostle, but we also know that James, before the writing of this book, was martyred. That James was. So that's, it's, it's not James and John, the sons of Zebedee, James. It's also one of the other apostles was James, uh, the son of Alphaeus. Most scholars believe that's not who this is either. This James, interesting, is the half-brother of Jesus. Half-brother because Jesus was born, conceived by the Holy Spirit, but born of Mary. So they shared the same mom. Now, interesting about this James, this James, before the resurrection, we saw last week, uh, was, was a skeptic. We know from John chapter 7, verse 5, that not even Jesus' brothers were believing in him during his public ministry, but something happened. We saw what happened last week, 1 Corinthians 15, verse 7. Jesus, in his post-resurrection state, appeared to his brother James. And he went from a skeptic, according to this verse, to a bondservant of God and notice what he says, the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, interesting, he doesn't say James, a brother of Jesus. It'd be tempting, wouldn't it, if you're in James's shoes writing this letter, to drop, to be a name dropper a little bit. Hey, I, I grew up with this guy. I'm, I'm the brother of Jesus. He doesn't say that. And this is a clear scripture that points to the deity of Christ, too, because this is James that grew up with Jesus, and he's acknowledging that Jesus is someone he's a bondservant of, of God, and notice, the Lord, Lord Jesus Christ. Again, pointing to the deity of Christ by his own brother. Can you imagine being James, by the way? Can you imagine growing up with Jesus? Boy, that'd be a big shadow, wouldn't it? Can you imagine growing up with Jesus and never seeing him do anything wrong as a big brother? Because the Bible says in Hebrews, he was without sin. He was tempted in all things such as we are, yet he was without sin. Now, now this brother of Jesus has gone from skeptic to servant in declaring that Jesus Christ is the Lord. Now, interesting, that's the author. Who's the audience? The audience of this letter is the 12 tribes of Israel who were dispersed abroad. Now, most scholars believe that this is probably one of the earliest books of the New Testament because the, the, the audience of the Christianity that were, was, was receiving this book were still Jews. There were 12 tribes. And notice they were dispersed abroad. The word there, dispersed abroad, is diaspora. It means a scattering of seeds. And what had happened was there was a great persecution of Christians at this time to the point that the Jewish Christians had to leave Jerusalem, their home city, and they were scattered throughout the Roman Empire. But God causes all things to work together for the good because now these, these Jewish Christians, they were all kind of uh, holding out in Jerusalem, are scattered abroad, and they're like a seed that was being planted through the whole Roman Empire of the gospel of Jesus Christ and the word of God. But they were going through trials. Why were they going through trials? Because they had been forced out of their homes, their businesses. They had been forced out of uh, even some of their family relationships because the Jewish family members that didn't become Christians alienated them, ostracized them. They were going through the, the, the trial of, 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 of not even being able to stay where they grew up. Similar to the trial that we're facing today, there's a lot of people that are being forced out of their businesses, out of their jobs, out of their comfort zones, 
And so James starts out this letter saying, how do you deal with that? How do you deal with trials? Look at, it, look at what he says. Verse 2, consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various, where, there's our word, trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces what? Endurance. And let endurance have its perfect result, that you may be perfect. The word there is teleos. It means mature and complete, lacking in nothing. Here's the first thing I want you to see. He, the, what he says to these believers that were in the midst of trials, again, being forced out of their homes, their city, their comfort zones, he says, first of all, consider. Consider it all joy. Now, the word there, consider, can literally be translated Take authority. Be a leader and take authority over those trials. And what he's saying here is we can have authority over trials. How? By choosing how we respond to those trials. We could choose even joy in trials. That's what he's saying. Consider it all joy. Why can we have joy in trials? Well, because they produce positive things in our lives. But before we look at that, I want you to see uh, some things he says about trials. Look at verse 2. Consider all joy, my brethren. When you encounter various trials. It doesn't say if. What does it say? When. Remember what Jesus said? In this world, you will have what? Tribulations, trials. It's coming. If you're a human being, especially if you're serving Christ, you will have trials. They're inevitable. That's the first thing we see about trials. They're going to come. Expect them. If you've got a pulse, you're going to get some trials in life. But I love what Jesus said. He said, in this world you will have tribulation, trials, but take heart because I have overcome the world. There's victory in Jesus because greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. First thing about trials, he says they're inevitable. Second thing he says about trials is they're various. The word various is multifaceted. It literally means all different colors. And isn't that true about the trials we face? They're, they're all different kind of stuff. I mean, we, as we go through life, we face trials that are multifaceted. They're various. They're multicolored. But also, it says encounter. That means fall into. What does that mean? It means when you, when you, when you face trials, they're not only multifaceted, they're not only inevitable, but they're unpredictable. You fall into them. They come out of nowhere. So how do you deal with it? Well, you consider it all joy when you encounter various trials. Here it is. Knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance, and let endurance have its perfect result. You may be perfect or mature and complete like nothing. Here's the first point on trials. You want wisdom in trials? Realize there's a positive purpose to the trials that you face. If you want to have wisdom in your trials, if you want to have joy even in your trials, realize that God is using that trial in your life to produce Notice what it says there. To produce what? To produce, I like this, endurance. You know what that means? Staying power. It means strength. And here's what happens. As you face a trial with faith and trust in God, God will carry you through that trial. And then when a greater trial comes in the future, you're going to have more endurance and strength to face the next trial. Endurance. But also it says another positive purpose of the trial that we face is maturity. Sometimes trials are the things that are going to help us grow spiritually. And if you look back in your spiritual life as a Christian, when have you grown the most? It's not in times of prosperity. It's in times of adversity. What trials do is they produce a maturity and a Christ-likeness in our faith. And you know what? Here's the bottom line. God is more concerned about our Christ-likeness than he is about our comfort. 
He's more concerned about that. He wants us to grow. And sometimes our best growth spurts will be as we consider it all joy when we face that trial and we cling to Jesus in that trial. But that's what we need to do. We need to cling to Jesus in the midst of the trials. The Bible says like a strong tower is supposed to run to Christ because that's where the righteous run to in the midst of trials. And so here's the bottom line. We got to respond to trials with faith. It's a test of our faith. The word test there, interesting word, dokumen in, in the Greek, it means this. It means the, the proving of your faith. It means also, also it's a word that's used when gold is put through a refining fire and it purifies that gold. It gets all the imperfections out of the gold. And that's what trials do for us. It purifies our faith. It, it, it tests our faith. It gets our faith to be more mature and more complete. But here's the thing. That only happens as we trust the Lord in those trials. What's the Bible say? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and then he will direct your paths. And so it's a test of faith. When I think of that, I think of Job. I've read through Job a number of times, and it's an amazing book on trials. And Job was the guy that was prosperous. He was blessed, had a great family. He was wealthy. And then Satan came to God and said to God, basically, hey, the only reason why he's serving you, God, is because you bless him. Take away the blessing, and he won't serve you any longer. And God says, okay, I'll give you an opportunity to do that, devil. Go ahead, but I believe, I believe in my servant Job. And so he let the devil take away everything from Job. Everything from Job. I mean, he lost his business. He lost his kids. He lost his house. And then he eventually lost his health. And he had, then he had a wife that said, hey, why don't you just in your trials, why don't you just curse God and die? But you know what Job said? He said, hey, naked I came into the world, naked I'll leave. Blessed be the name of the Lord. The Lord giveth, the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Job also said this in Job 13, 15, though he slay me, though, even if God slays me, I will put my trust in him. And then he also said in Job 19, 25 to 26, As for me, I know that my Redeemer lives, and at the last he will take his hand on the earth. Even after my skin is destroyed, his health is gone, yet for my flesh I shall see God. See how he passed the test of faith? He trusted God even in his trials. and said, I, even if you slay me, God, I'm going to keep trusting you. And that's how we need to be. Now, Job asked questions. Job struggled. Job went through all kinds of issues. If you look through the book of Job, but he continued to trust God. He didn't abandon his faith. He passed the test of faith. I think of Paul. The apostle Paul prayed three times. He had a thorn in the flesh, some health issue. And he prayed three times. Lord, you know, take this thorn in the flesh away. And three times it says that, that God responded, no. My grace is sufficient, and in your weakness, my powers be made manifest. And so, so Paul just continued to trust, continued to serve, continued to pass the test of faith. We just saw a new movie, uh, Heidi and I, we, on pay-per-view or whatever it was. Uh, we saw uh, Jerry McCamp's life story, I Still Believe. If you haven't seen it yet, get on your Netflix or whatever, wherever you can rent it and rent it. It's a great movie. But uh, Jerry McCamp's a testimony of someone who had his faith tested. He grew up in a Calvary Chapel home. His dad's a Calvary Chapel pastor in Indiana. And then he went to the Calvary Chapel Bible College, met his wife, 
in, in, in Bible college that got married and then she got cancer and she died when, he, when she was just 22 years old. You know what Jeremy camped in the midst of that? He mourned, he cried, he was devastated, but he still believed. And then he wrote a song called, I Still Believe. That's passing the test of faith. And then he went on to serve the Lord around the world doing concerts and worship and writing more Christian songs. And millions of people have been blessed by his ministry and his worship because he passed the test of faith. Church, let's do the same. Amen? Let's be people of faith no matter what crisis we face. Let's be people that still believe. And then we'll grow in maturity and completeness in the midst of the trials that we face. So the first thing is, hey, realize there's a positive purpose and trust God, pass the test of faith, and then you'll grow in maturity and completeness, lacking in nothing in your faith. Next thing, verse 5. This is a great verse. This is a verse, verse 5. It's a verse that every Christian should memorize, or at least underline in your Bible. It says this, but if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all men generously without reproach, and it will be given to him. I don't know how many times I've quoted that verse. I don't know how many times in the midst of a decision-making process, I didn't know what to do. And then I, <coughs> I prayed and I went to God and said, God, I lack wisdom in this. And I'm asking of you for wisdom. And I know that if I ask for wisdom that you won't give it, or you'll give it to me generously without reproach. You'll lavish your wisdom upon me because it says in Colossians, it says that in Christ is hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And so here's the second step. Uh, that we need to take when we're facing trials in life, when we're facing adversity, is first of all realize there's a positive purpose in those trials and, and trust God, pass the test of faith. But the second thing we need to do, ask for wisdom. And when we face trials and adversity, go to God's throne room and his throne of grace and say, God, what is going on here? What do you, what do you want me to learn from this? Here's the thing. Don't ask when we face trials Why? You know, we, we can go into all kinds of what-ifs and why, why, why. Why are you letting this happen to me? Don't ask why. Ask what. What do I mean by that? Ask what do you want me to learn, God? How do you want me to grow from this? What's, what's the, what, what, are, what are the purposes here that, for this trial that you want me to really grow from and learn from? And God will give you, God will give you wisdom in that. I was reading about a guy by the name, I'm not sure how to pronounce his last name, but I believe his, his, his last name is Vujicek, Nick Vujicek. He's from Australia, and he was born without arms or legs. And he's an amazing guy. Many of you have probably seen him. Uh, he speaks all over the world. He fills up stadiums now uh, as, a, as a Christian speaker inspiring other people. He, he's actually got a, a, a ministry called Life Without Limbs. And he's an amazing guy because he's a guy that when he was uh, uh, born without arms and legs, his parents eventually put him in public school, and he was bullied. And, and, and after he was bullied, by the time he was 10 years old, he was so depressed without having arms and legs, they actually tried to commit suicide at 10 years of age. And then after that, he got his, got his emotions and, and, and everything, and he started walking with the Lord after getting through that depression and then he went back to school, and one of the janitors in the school, the high school janitor in his school said, God has a purpose for you, and you're supposed to speak to people, probably to people all over the world. God gave him the wisdom of, of his calling. 
And then he started, at, after he graduated from high school, he started speaking. He went to one school two hours from his home, and he, he had actually had an opportunity to do a public assembly, but only like 12 people showed up at the public assembly. But he did such a great job inspiring these kids in this high school that they started telling other schools about it. Next thing you know, his phone started ringing off the hook. Next thing you know, he's speaking all over the world. Next thing you know, God's using him to inspire people all over the world because he got the wisdom that he was called to speak to other people about hope, faith, and inspiration, that no matter what life throws at you, you can make a difference in the world. And you know what Nick does now? He not only speaks, he speaks at Calvary Chapels. He spoke at Calvary Chapel Santa Barbara. He speaks all over the world. But he also, listen to this, he also, he swims without arms and legs. I don't know how he does it. He does. He swims, he skydives, and he also surfs. I can't imagine that. How do you surf without arms and legs? But he developed a friendship with Beth, uh, Bethany Hamilton, who's who, remember her, uh, I don't know if you remember that story, uh, her movie was Soul Surfer. She lost her arm, and she learned to surf without an arm. And now she's taught this Nick how to surf without, without arms and legs. It's amazing. But, he, but God gave him wisdom in the midst of the trial that you're supposed to speak. And from, from 18 years old on now, he's spoken around the world. And God's used his trial that he's facing to make a difference in this world. So let's go on now. Verse 6. So first principle, hey, realize there's a positive purpose. Pass the, uh, 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 pass the test of faith. Second person, uh, principle for wisdom, ask for wisdom. And God will give it to you generously without reproach. Don't ask why. Ask what. What do you want me to learn from this? Now verse 6. But let him ask in faith without any doubting. For the one who doubts... Is like the surf of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man expect that he'll receive anything from the Lord, being a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Now, the third thing that James is saying, when you face a trial, yeah, pray for wisdom, but pray with faith. And here's the third principle for wisdom in trials. Persevere with faith in the midst of the trials that you're facing. What's faith? Faith is having an assurance of things... Hope for a conviction of things not yet seen. And as we face trials, we need to persevere and continue to trust the Lord, continue not to doubt, and then continue to have prayers of faith. Because if we're not persevering in faith, we're like a double-minded man. The word double-minded is double-souled. It means that your soul is halfway with the world and halfway with God. Instead of sold out to God, you're kind of walking the fence and you're doubting instead of walking in faith. And it says when we, we doubt, here's what we're like. We're like the person that's out in the sea in the waves, and we're being cast all around in waves. I remember when I was in Southern California, I was pastored in Southern California for several years. I lived out there for 10 years, and I always wanted to surf. And so I, I, the drummer on our worship team grew up in Southern California. His name was Kerry Brown. And I remember one day I said, Kerry, let's go get some surfboards and, and teach me how to surf. I was already, you know, like 30 years old or so, and <laughs> never done this before. I'm a water skier, but I never surfed before. I get out there, and he's just killing it. He's just jumping up on his board and surfing, you know, just like the Beach Boys, surfing like this, da, 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 like this. And then I try to do the same thing. I just get up on my knees, and I try to stand up, and I'm hearing the Beach Boys song, Wipeout, or whatever that song is. I'm just all over the place, wiping out. And after several wipeouts, I finally said, 
I didn't grow up doing this. I, I better not do this anymore. So I'm, I'm paddling in to the, to the beach. And Heidi, who had joined me at that time, she was on a boogie board. And I remember watching Heidi. And she's just like this scripture. She's on the boogie board. And she's got a wave. And the wave's going like this. And all of a sudden, the wave collapses on her. And she's somersaulting onto the beach. And she's looking at me. I will never do this with you ever again. <laughs> I think she just beeped her horn saying amen to that. But, but I was thinking of that escapade we had of trying to surf in Southern California with these eight, ten-foot waves. And I was thinking about that's how we are when we don't trust the Lord in trials. We're like the person out on the surf that's getting beat up by the surf and tossed to and fro. And what happens is when we get back to walking in faith, we have the anchor of faith to hold us steady and stable throughout the trials because we're trusting the Lord and we're exercising an assurance of things hoped for, a conviction of, not, of things not yet seen. We're walking in faith, not by sight in the trials. And then we're not going to be double-minded because we're walking in faith. So that's the third principle. Persevere in your faith if you want to uh, have wisdom in trials. Don't be like the person tossed to and fro in the sea, beat up by a lack of faith. Look at verse 9. But let the brother of humble circumstances glory in his high position. And let the rich man glory in his humiliation. Because like flowering grass, he will pass away. For the sun rises with a scorching wind and withers the grass, and its fl flower falls off. And the beauty of its appearance is destroyed. <coughs> so too the rich man in the midst of his pursuits, notice, will fade away. But look at verse 12. Blessed is a man who perseveres under trial. For once he's been approved, he'll receive the crown of life. Which the Lord has promised to those, notice, who love him. Here's the last principle I want you to see. Keep an eternal perspective when you face trials. Now, the context here, Jewish Christians dispersed because of uh, persecution. <clears throat> Many of them had lost everything. They lost their businesses, their jobs, their homes. And then they're out here in these other Roman Empire cities, and they're seeing wicked, evil people that are prospering, people that are wealthy, that have no faith in God whatsoever. And so what does James do? He says, let's keep an eternal perspective, Jewish Christians. Realize, just like a flowering grass, these rich, rich people will fade away. Realize that just, just as the, the, the flower is beautiful, it has all this you know, beauty at one time, within a few short months, those flowers are gone and they're nothing. But he says, blessed, blessed is a man who perseveres under trial. Blessed is the man because once he's been approved, he'll receive the crown of life. Now notice, crown, that's rewards. Whenever you see crown in the scriptures, it's pointing to future rewards in heaven. And he's saying, Christians, as you persevere under trials, as you trust God in your trials, as you walk with God throughout your trials, there's going to be special rewards in heaven for those that have persevered through trials. Interesting, the crown of life. And notice, which the Lord has promised. He's promised us rewards in heaven for persevering through trials here on earth. And he's promised those to those who, notice, love him, love him. Think of Jim Elliott. He was a Wheaton College graduate that went with his wife and several other missionaries down to South America to this tribe that they were trying to reach for Christ. And in the process of trying to reach them for Christ, he was martyred. He was killed. 
But right in his journal, right before, uh, uh, just a short period before he was martyred, he wrote these words in his journal. He is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. Christians, we need to keep our eternal perspective. We need to persevere through trials. We need to be people that realize that no matter how bad it gets out there, the best is yet to come. Christ is uh, Christ in us. It's the hope of glory. And, we, and, and right around the corner from this life is a place Jesus called paradise. And as we continue to persevere through trials, we need to realize there's going to be rewards for, in heaven for our faith here on earth. Now, we're not saved by persevering through trials. We're saved just simply by believing in Jesus Christ. But there's going to be special rewards, I believe, in heaven, according to verse 12, for those that persevere through the trials here on earth. I've shared before, one of my heroes is uh, a lady by the name of Johnny Erickson Todd. When I was in Southern California, just as a young man, I got to see her give her personal testimony at the church I attended out there, Lake Avenue Congregational Church. And ever since then, I've been extremely impressed by this lady. One of the reasons why is when she was 16, she faced a trial of uh, jumping off a raft in a lake, and she hit a boulder, and it caused her to be a quadriplegic. She has not moved from her neck down for the last 50 years. But in the midst of that trial, she has persevered as a woman of faith. She's, she's an amazing lady in that she's, she's done ministry all over the world to handicapped people and inspired handicapped people to persevere in faith no matter what their handicap is. She's got a worldwide ministry. She, she's on the radio and she does biblical teachings. She's an artist. She, she actually paints paintings with uh, the paintbrush in her mouth because she can only move from her neck up. She's got a voice like an angel. She's done Christian albums. She's an incredible lady, but she's an author, also an author, and she just recently came out with an a, a, a updated copy of her book on heaven. And listen to what she says about persevering through trials. She, said, she was interviewed, and she was asked, uh, how else do you see your faith carrying you through trials? Johnny Erickson Tata said, well, we, we forget God is less interested in our physical comfort and more interested in our soul. My soul has become so much more settled. My hope is anchored in Christ in heaven. And she said, I believe every response I give to this new cancer. By the way, she just was uh, 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 dealing with breast cancer. Now, on, on top of the, being a quadriplegic, she has breast cancer. And she says, I believe every response I give to this new cancer, every inconvenience, every pain has a direct bearing to increasing my capacity for joy, service, and worship in heaven. She says, we live in a fallen world, and there's going to be cancer. There's going to be quadriplegia. There's going to be pain. There's going to be all kinds of stuff, I'm sure. But when I go through the rigors of radiation, I know I'll get extremely weak. But all of it's in God's purview. He's interested in how I respond. Will I trust him? I don't want to diminish it by complaining or doubting or fearing God. I believe every response I give to this new cancer Every inconvenience, every pain is a direct bearing to increase my capacity for joy, service, and worship in heaven. And then, then she was also asked, uh, are you ready to go to heaven? Listen to her response. She goes, yes, I think any Christian should be ready at any time. Of course, like Paul, the Apostle Paul, I'm torn. I don't want to face the rigors of radiation on a quadriplegic body, and I have to uh, postpone pursuing options to address my chronic pain during chemotherapy. It's going to be a lot of discomfort in the next few months. I'm a little torn like the Apostle Paul, but I, I would love to be free of the suffering and affliction. And then she was asked, why are you torn between here and heaven? 
She said, well, I think it's more needful for Christ than it remain for his purposes. There are millions of people with disabilities who don't know Jesus. And that's why I show up at work every single day at Johnny and Friends. It, brings, it breaks my heart to think of the suffering of a person in a wheelchair who's going through this is, is only an omen of even greater suffering to come if he doesn't know Christ. And then the last question she was asked, when you get to heaven, Johnny, what do you want to hear God say? Listen to her response. I want to hear this from God, she said. Johnny, I'm so proud of you. Look what you did with what I gave you. My goodness, because of your faithfulness, I'm going to put you in charge of 10 cities here in heaven. And I hope I get to be privileged to be one of the people in one of those 10 cities and and she could be leading us in heaven in her leadership gift because she's an incredible woman of God. See the rewards? See the trust there? See the, see the fact that no matter what life throws at you, you can walk in faith. And you can persevere in faith. So four principles for, for wisdom in trials. Number one, it's, hey, realize there's a positive purpose in the trials and continue to pass the test of faith by trusting God. Realize there's a maturity and completeness, a lacking in nothing that will come as we trust God in trials. Second principle, ask God for wisdom. God, what? What do you want me to learn from these trials? Number three, when trials come, persevere in your faith. And number four, keep an eternal perspective. Let's pray, church.